Struggling to keep track of your story and world? Archivos is for you. More intuitive than a wiki, more extensible than Scrivener, Archivos builds your story bible into your personal, always-on tactical display. Graphical relationship charting, continuity tools, this thing has it all, with bonus options for fan engagement and real-time collaboration. Archivos. Story world management done right www.archivos.digital. That's www.archivos.digital. Welcome to The Everyday Novelist. My name is J. Daniel Sawyer, author of nearly 30 books, more than 30 short stories, and numerous articles and scripts and essays, coming to you from up in the crow's nest with my spyglass on this daily voyage through the dicey waters of business, craft, learning, and art in the writing life. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Everyday Novelist Catches Up With Its Alumni. We've had Tim Niederreiter on, who is an Everyday Novelist alum who blows past me in the word count department. Today we're joined by Melissa, frequent questioner, uh, also known as Mel Todd, an author who uh, was one of our first questioners way, 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 way back in 2000, what was it? 15? 2015? Yes, 15. God, I've been doing this a long time. And uh, who now is beating the pants off me in the marketing and sales department. So... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can say that out loud. You're a regular presence on this show. <laughs> I was going to say, so we have Kitty making off-color comments in the background, and she's not even brave enough to be here with us and make them public. Hey, everybody, I'm Mel Todd, and I'm here to torture Dan and Kitty, it looks like. <laughs> oh, so, Mel, you've had a, a hell of a climb over the last five years from the depths of writer's block to the heights of, holy shit, what an income. I have. Um, it sometimes amazes me considering where I started. And I'm definitely the poster child for make sure you're writing in the right genre and don't mm. try to write things because that's what everybody's telling you is selling. If you don't like writing it, it doesn't matter how hot it is at the time. Your books are going to suck. Explain, please. Uh, so way back in, God, probably 2014, I got in with a writing group and I'm still friends with some of these ladies. They're absolutely wonderful, but all of them except me were erotica writers. Mm -hmm. I don't really write erotica. I'm really bad about it. And so I thought I had to write erotica because that's what everybody was writing. Mm. Let's just say that none of my books are erotica. They may, I have this super secret pin name somewhere <laughs> and there are romances. They probably qualify better as women's lit because they're not erotica. Well, let's just say I like sex. I don't really like writing about sex because <laughs> it just always comes out to stupid. So I, I, I'm a normal human. I enjoy sex. Thank you very much. But when I finally started writing the stuff that I loved reading, it's amazing how much faster it flows and that people enjoy reading it. <laughs> yeah, funny how that works. I, I know. It's, yeah. 
it's absolutely unheard of in this day of age for somebody to actually admit that they like sex. So, no, I do. But writing it, it really quickly becomes insert tab A into slot B. And you're just like, this is boring. <laughs> Ikea as pornography. So <laughs> they Very can't hear so. that facial expression. <laughs> I, know. I realized that after I made that. I'm like, wait, they aren't seeing this. I guess I have to say words. So both of my parents were teachers, which meant we always had books in the house. Uh, us getting books was never an issue. And then as a kid, I was completely spoiled because the school I went to was across the street from uh, the county library. Mm-hmm. Well, that meant that all I had to do to go get more books was walk across the street. Mm-hmm. So I'm one of those children who read the entire children's section of the library and then graduated to the adult. Uh-huh. And I grew up on reading Edgar Rice Burroughs and you know H.G. Wells and Jules Verne. And then, trust me, I, like most girls, had my horse uh horse time where I read all the Margaret Henry's all the black stallions you know I was horse crazy for about three or four years so I read all of those I read all the Nancy Drews all the Hardy Boys I mean you name it as a kid's book in the 70s -hmm. yeah no I read them all so why in the world was I trying to write romance I don't know Mel why were you trying to write romance (sighs) stupidity (laughs) <laughs> and at that point in time, erotica was selling like gangbusters. Right. I mean, 2011 to 2016. Yeah. You, I, I personally knew authors that were making thirty to $60,000 a month off of their erotica. Mm-hmm. You know, who doesn't want that sort of money? Right. But yeah, you have to actually really love writing that and enjoy that to make money. Now, there are going to be people out there who can tell you, hey, no, write to market, you know, and I'm not going to disagree. But for me, yeah, yeah it didn't work and it came through. It's a different skill set. It's possible to write to to do well writing to market in a, in a fad if you can get to market fast. But there's a skill involved with bending your voice in that way. And it takes time to learn. That's what the ghostwriters do that. And there's a lot of people who are making a lot of money doing that. I just didn't do it well. For me, my stories are more of the things that I want to read. And so I couldn't twist my voice enough to do that. And I think you see that a lot more in the stuff that I'm writing now, because I have people clamoring for more of these stories. Nice. So You found your people. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so there are people who are willing to pay for it, which is Amazing. even better. And and you're what you're only like four books into this series and you're doing very, very well with it. Yes. I am four books into the series. I have it plotted out to be about a 10 book series that could change. My characters tend to twist things on me. So the series I'm talking about is called Twisted Luck and it is an urban fantasy series. But one of the things that I'm really enjoying about it is I am writing it as a sex and romance free series. And A lot of people are going to tell you, oh, you can't have a series like that, because most of the time romance tends to be one of the subplots, especially in urban fantasy or science fiction. There usually tends to be a romance subplot. Mm -hmm. Well, for various life reasons, I'm not very good at writing romance subplots. So I have relationships. I have friends. I have family. I have a familiar, which trust me, is way more work than a husband ever was. (laughs) And 
<laughs> those relationships are what drive the character growth. And so you can write a good series without necessarily having to have your main character fall in love, have that romantic relationship, because instead she has friends and familiars and other relationships, which are just as important in her life Mm -hmm. as what a spouse would be in another series. So that's how you got to it artistically. How did you get to it commercially? What what have you done right that has... uh that has catapulted you into the, oh, I get to retire next year category. Yes, please, please, please. Fingers crossed. Um, So I have been writing fan fiction for a long time. I make no secret about it. I love my fan fiction. I still write fan fiction. I started writing fan fiction back in probably 2004, 2003, Mm -hmm. something like that. And I used it both as a way to practice doing world building, to practice doing plot, to play with character growth, and it let me do it in a safe place where I already knew what I was writing. Mm -hmm. Well, that being said, when I started doing the original stuff, I had a lot of fans at that time because I was a relatively prolific fanfic writer. I have a little bit over half a million words out there. And I went, well, I don't want to quit. I like writing it. I, I'm a huge Buffy fan and I still write my Buffy stories simply because they make me happy. And there've been times in my life where I really needed some happy stuff to write about. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like going back to your favorite book and rereading it, except I go back to my favorite characters and write them doing something else. Mm-hmm. So when I started publishing the stuff, I figured, well, I'll publish fan fiction. And then I'll just say, hey, if you like my stories, you might like my original stuff oh too, my. and you can find it here. So you did it under the same name so, so people could find it. You, that's clever. I like that. I haven't seen that strategy so, before, actually. Yeah, and I mean, don't get me wrong. When I was at the height of my fan fiction, when I posted a chapter, I had 10,000 people reading it mm-hmm. within the first 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So I said, hey, you can find it here. Here's what you know, where my stuff is, go take a look, you might like it. And it wasn't a bribe or anything else. It was just simply, if you like the way I tell these stories, you might like the way I tell these other stories. Mm -hmm. And so I've had a lot of fans come to me from my fan fiction. And then the best piece of advice that I got from somebody was go find the Facebook groups that are about what you're writing. So there's a couple Facebook groups out there, uh, fans of urban fantasy, fantasy faction. Uh, there's a couple sci-fi ones. And you get in those groups and they want to talk about these books. Trust me, we talk about Patricia Briggs. We talk about Alona Andrews. We talk about Jim Butcher and stuff. And sometimes a lot of people say, hey, I've read all of this stuff. I'd like a book that has this in it. And as long as you are not a jerk, <laughs> and I want to say this in all capital letters, don't be a jerk. Don't jump up every single day and go, oh, hey, read my book, read my book. You will get blocked really fast and people get tired of it. But if they say, hey, I'd like to write, read an urban fantasy where they don't have sex because I'm bored with the sex, I can say, hey, you might like my series. It's in KU, which is an advantage. And I'll explain why in a second. You know, go check it out. And over time, because A, I'm not a jerk, I try really hard not to be, I'm getting more and more people who are like, oh, you have to read Mel Todd's books. 
And so I have other people talking about my books, not me. So, okay, so Dan, this is up to you. Do we want to have the whole KU versus Y discussion now, or do we want to save that for a separate podcast? Oh, uh, finish your story, then we'll do that as a separate episode. (laughs) Okay. And so I've been doing that. And so that plus the basic newsletter and doing a few newsletter giveaways and stuff, I'm slowly, slowly growing my audience. And apparently I finally hit that magical point where I have enough people talking about my books that they're spreading organically. Mm-hmm. And it is both the best thing ever and the scariest thing ever, because it means since I don't know how they're getting the word about my books, I can't you got no control any more <laughs> yes i have no control <laughs> i mean you know, it's and as we all know writers ego. do fantastically well when they are not in control of everything okay most writers are writers because we want to control the world That's literally right. <laughs> I, I it's it's yeah. really one of those things that means so most writers, and I'm not going to say all, because there's a lot of writers who just like doing this as a hobby. We want to do this full time and make a living. Well, to do that, you have to be able to forecast how much it's going to cost you to advertise your books and what your sort of ratio of returns is going to be. This is all good things. When your books are selling and you have no ads running, you cannot do this <laughs> because you don't know what's driving the sales, which mm-hmm. means you can't go, oh, if I spend... not that I've ever spent $10,000, but if I spend $10,000, I know I'll make Mm $25,000. Okay. That's a nice, simple math. I can't do that because I have no clue at all. And no, I have never, ever, I know people spending $10,000 on ads. I have not reached that level yet. Just saying those words makes me want to have a panic attack though (laughs) well see but the thing is that um when you get into that trap you wind up treating your um publishing business like it's an income and then you're in for all kinds of trouble when public tastes change or when you can't get the next book out on time or what have you doing it like you're doing it and having that organic growth means that you're that even if it's by accident, you're treating this like an investment business instead of like a cash flow business. And in the long run, that's tremendously advantageous. It is. But when you're trying to budget stuff and you know buy big thing, big things like, oh, I don't know, 800 acres of land, it makes it really hard to convince people. <laughs> All right, well, uh, let's break here and we will come back in a few days with another episode where we argue about Kindle Universe. Ah! (laughs) Until then. Okay, thanks everybody. Remember, you can find my books on Amazon and I'm Mel Todd and I have lots of stuff out, really. And your (laughs) website is badashpublishing.com? Yep. All right. Thank you very much, Mel, and we'll see you all tomorrow. The Everyday Novelist is written by J. Daniel Sawyer and presented by J. Daniel Sawyer and Kitty McKeon and is produced by Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. The text is copyright 2021 J. Daniel Sawyer and the production is copyright 2021 Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License and all other rights are reserved to their respective owners.
Join the conversation, submit a question, leave a comment, or a creative death threat, or find me at jdsawyeronminds.com or hit me at feedback at jdsawyer.net. We can't do it without you.